News with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, October 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Another beautiful day on the way. Sunshine, high 66. Tonight and overnight, clear, low 53. And then Wednesday, mostly cloudy, but it's going to be warmer, high 72. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 40 and clear in West Nyack up in Rockland County, 43 and clear in East Orange down in New Jersey, and it is 47 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up, 6 o'clock hours, uh, sit and friends in the morning. Just getting something in here to the news center, and I'm going to read it along with you. At the same time, I saw this on the way in this morning. There were tons of fire trucks outside Grand Central Terminal. We'd put a couple calls in, uh, emails, I should say, into the FDNY. Now we're getting some more details. So there was a track fire at Grand Central that's led to multiple subway suspensions this morning. Uh, firefighters were down in the subway station on 42nd Street to extinguish the flames. When I was coming through it about 2.45 this morning. There was all kinds of smoke on the street. <clears throat> Excuse me. The fire itself took place below 33rd Street, apparently, but uh, no injuries reported. So this is what they're telling us. <clears throat> Excuse me. The four and six trains have been suspended between 86th Street and Wall Street, and the M15 or the M103 buses can be used as alternatives. Now, we'll get more information on this, and I'm sure Joe will have some details, too, as the morning wears on. But uh, apparently, fire underground all put out. Nobody hurts. That's the kind of news we like. But it will lead to some delays on the uh, subways uh, this morning, and we'll follow that right here, 77 WABC. Uh, overseas, of course, still just a complete mess. Um, there was just a bit of good news yesterday. Two more hostages have been released by Hamas. Hamas said it released the hostages yesterday on humanitarian grounds, but a top advisor to Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu not buying it. Releasing two, and they want to project themselves as, I don't know, as a normal uh, political organization, as a humanitarian organization. But what is the truth? This is a brutal a terrorist organization. The hostages identified as two Israeli women. Their release follows the release of those two American hostages, the mom and daughter, on Friday. Israeli officials report Hamas is holding more than 200 others as the fighting continues between the two sides. Hamas is exploiting the hostages. Obviously, we're happy with anyone who, who comes home. They've got over 200 people. Correspondent Richard Engel, he was on the Gaza border watching this all play out yesterday. It was almost the same time of the evening here uh, and roughly about the same time it took from when we first got word from Hamas that they were released to confirmation. Engel, uh, Engel says Hamas will thank a mediator for helping release the status. Use the Red Cross as, a, as an intermediary to bring these people to safety across the border. And then once they are across the border, safely in, in this case, Israeli hands. Yes, So, and the fighting just continues. It's bad. The Israel Defense Forces says uh, five senior Hamas commanders killed in recent days as the military continues to strike just thousands of Hamas targets in the Gaza Strip. The IDF 
telling us that they eliminated Murad Abu Murad, who was the head of Hamas's aerial array in the Gaza Strip. Apparently, he played a very significant role in the terrorist attack on Israel back on October 7th. The IDF also saying over 400 terrorist targets have been hit in the past 24 hours, including last night, the elimination of the deputy commanders of Hamas. That is Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Galant uh, visiting a naval base yesterday in Ashdod where he conducted what he called a situation assessment. He toured the shores of Israel's southern border with the Hamas-ruled Gaza Strip, uh, giving a message to these soldiers who've been there, some of them for, well, almost two weeks now, telling them they've done an excellent job. And then he told them, which makes us think that this war, ground war, could really be any day now. He said, keep preparing for our operation. It will come soon. We are preparing thoroughly for the next step, a multilateral operation in the air and ground and sea. He said, do your work. Get ready. We will need you. Uh, he was there with a megaphone as he spoke to those troops yesterday. That as U.S. forces say they'll be postured appropriately in the Middle East over concerns between this war, between Israel and Hamas. We know Iran continues to support Hamas and Hezbollah, then in some cases actively facilitating these attacks and spurring on others who may want to exploit the conflict for their own good. National Security Spokesman John Kirby there telling reporters there's been an uptick of rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases housing U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. We're deeply concerned about the potential for any significant escalation of these attacks in the days ahead. Pentagon plans to send more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region now. Secretary of Defense has ordered the military to take steps to prepare for this to ensure that we're postured appropriately, both in terms of being able to defend our forces and respond decisively as needed. All sides trying to contain this before this becomes a wider conflict than just between Hamas and Israel. The White House, meanwhile, saying it is a top priority to ensure Palestinians in Gaza receive urgently needed humanitarian aid. We watched on Saturday morning as 20 trucks went from Egypt into Gaza filled with medicine, food and caskets. We're going to continue those efforts uh, going forward. It's important that the aid be sustainable and that's what we're focused on. And of course the U.S. still working to free the American hostages held by Hamas. First convoys over the weekend of humanitarian assistance across that border and was able to reach Palestinians in, in need. Yeah, so some of the families who have loved ones, uh, the American families and the Israeli families, for that matter, have suggested that the U.S. hold off on that humanitarian aid and give it to them in return for some of the hostages being released. We have no higher higher priority than the safety of Americans that are being held around the world and we're going to continue around the clock to see if we can get them home with their families where they belong. Yeah, and of course, there's all kinds of connections to the tri-state. So the mother of Edon Alexander, a 19-year-old who graduated from Tenafly High School in New Jersey last year, pleading for his release. They weren't sure until very recently whether he had been killed. Now the Israeli military says that he was taken hostage. Uh, he had joined the Israeli army, and they think that Hamas grabbed him back on October 7th during that terrorist attack. Here's his mother back in Tenafly. I'm sorry, like I'm crying the whole morning. Don't be sorry. It's really tough. 
Idan Alexander had volunteered to serve with the Israeli army after he graduated, reportedly working at the border when this all took place. His mother said um, she spoke to him the morning of the attacks. And he's like telling me, Mom, yeah, this, that, it's like crazy, it's like World War Two here. He said that? Yeah. A lot of uh, bombing. Yeah, and then they have not heard from him since. And we'll hear from some more families as the morning wears on. WABC News Time 509. So the conflict overseas, of course, continues to play out here. We've seen those protests over the last couple weeks. And unfortunately, we're seeing more attacks, which is completely distressing. The latest, a Muslim teenage girl attacked while riding the subway to school and what police are investigating as another possible hate crime attack. The uh, 16 year old was on a five train it was approaching union square here in the city when a man sat down next to her told her she was a terrorist and then pulled off her hijab that she was wearing i'm very sorry for her and her family and everybody in the city uh we going through a challenging time now but i want to assure her and everyone that the police department is really looking after everyone uh, in the city. That's Detective Muhammad Aman, who's from the NYPD. Another female passenger intervened to help that girl out. The man ran off, and police are still searching for him. So no arrest uh, so far. But Detective Aman says, of, if this happens to you, you should report it so they can catch up with the creeps who carry out these crimes. Don't just let it go. We've been flooded with uh, calls lately uh, requests for assistance. People are scared. They're they're very frightened just to go about their their daily business. That's a spokesman for CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, says they're getting email and calls from people who've been attacked. These are people who are traditionally dressed, getting the same from members of the Jewish community who are in traditional dress. Those attacks have gone up as well. And uh, now police are saying this has no connection to what's going on overseas, but it was that rabbi who was killed over the weekend in Detroit. Detroit police reiterating the stabbing death of the president of a local synagogue not linked to anti-Semitism. There are no other groups or anyone else at risk in regards to this particular incident. This suspect acted alone. Police Chief James White says they're still searching for a killer. Samantha Wool found stabbed multiple times on a sidewalk Saturday morning near her home. She was president of the Isaac Agree Downtown Detroit Synagogue, a former staffer for two Democratic Michigan uh, politicians. An examination of the victim uh, led to the discovery of multiple stab wounds on her body. Everything possible is being done to bring uh, this case to a close. Uh, I asked for patience. Yes, they're not giving us a lot of details, but Detroit's mayor says he's devastated by the attack and says so far no link to anti-Semitism. 512, let's go down to D.C. The House remains without a speaker. It's three weeks now. A speaker forum held last night to hear from those who have filed to run all nine of them. Pennsylvania Representative Dan Muser withdrew his name from running on Monday. So then it was down to eight. Then you had Vice Chairman of the House GOP Conference, Mike Johnson, said it may be a long day when asked reporters how things were going to play out come today. Uh, here in New York, uh, you have lots of people weighing in on this, saying, you know, what's going on here? Why can't they come to a conclusion and just pick someone? Dysfunctional. The story gets old. It's so messed up. I try not to follow anymore because uh, it aggravates me. Yeah, it sounds like a bunch of kindergartens. Gardeners, really. Typical of them, the Republicans. And I'm a, I'm a conservative, so focus on me, 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 and not what's actually going on in this country. So the speaker role has been empty since October 3rd when they took down Kevin McCarthy. He was 
ousted. And so last night they heard from eight candidates in all. We haven't gotten a lot of word of how that went, but there was supposed to be some sort of vote later today. You want to stop the shutdown? They don't get paid. Let the, let, 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 let the Senate and the, and the House, let, they don't get paid. You see how quickly that shutdown stops. If my business, my company shuts down, I don't get paid. Who the hell are these people? Well, he's got a point there. If you're not doing the work of the American people, should you still collect a paycheck? So the Republicans look like they're just not helping America. We can't get legislation passed. We can't get anything done at the border, any, any foreign aid. Who's more dysfunctional? Let's be honest. I mean, it, you could have a bunch of gorillas there in the Democrat and Republican Party, and you can't match what's going on in the Democratic Party. All right, of course, we'll follow this story all day long, 77 WABC. Down to Texas, the Texas state legislature debating the spending of $1.5 billion on building a border wall. The goal from both the state of Texas and the federal government should be to have as much of the border protected by barriers as possible. That state representative, J.C. Jetton, says the state's already has uh, 50 miles of land easements ready for construction. The wall, he says, would funnel border crossers to one area and cut down on the so-called gotaways. Of course, Texas, no doubt, has taken the brunt of this for years. There's, I think it's some 45 miles or so that are already funded. And this would have just add an additional 50 plus. Yes, yeah, so that's a lot of money, of course, and it would be state taxpayers footing the bill. The situation right now continues to get worse on the water, and I don't think there needs to be any delays to funding going towards uh, the building of these walls immediately. So the funding does face pushback from Texas Democrats who oppose what they see as the militarization of the border. Coming up on 515, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell says he's completely recovered from health issues that led him to freeze while taking questions from a reporter. You'll remember that moment over the uh, summer. I think we ought to be talking about what we were talking about earlier rather than my health. Yeah, well, people are interested. McConnell says he's in good shape, back on the job, uh, froze up while taking questions from reporters on Capitol Hill, and then in a separate incident in his home state of Kentucky. The episodes after McConnell had suffered a concussion after a fall during a dinner back in March. Doctors, he say, uh, has ruled out a stroke or a seizure. I'm fine. I'm completely recovered and uh, just fine. He says he's back in Washington getting the people's work done. I'm in good shape. Completely recovered and back on the job. All right, 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, Justin Alec. Good morning, Noam Aladen. We'll start with the football here. Week 7 in the NFL wrapped up last night in Minnesota between the San Francisco 49ers and Minnesota Vikings on a Monday night football. Minnesota QB Kirk Cousins connected with Jordan Addison for, for, uh, for two first-half scores. Cameron Bynum intercepted Brock Purdy twice in the fourth quarter, and the Vikings held on to shock the 49ers by a score of 22-17. to Christian McCaffrey scored twice for the Niners, who have a two-game losing streak for, the, for uh, just the second time in two years. They fall to 5-2 and two overall for the season, while the Vikings move their record to 3-4. and four. Over to the Diamond and the MOV playoffs with the ALCS. Ended with Game 7 last night between the Rangers and Astros in Houston. Adelise Garcia homered twice and drove in five runs as the Rangers clinched their first World Series appearance in 12 years with an 11-4 blowout of the Astros. Garcia wins the MVP for that CS. They'll meet the winner of the NLCS uh, Game 7 between the Diamondbacks and Phillies after Arizona took care of the Phils in Philly last night by score of 5-1 in Game 6 to force Set game seven. That decisive first pitch is scheduled for tonight at 8.07 p.m. in Philadelphia. That's going to be crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it was, you, you could hear the crowd. They wanted something to cheer about last night. But, yeah, uh, unfortunately, they didn't have much. Yeah, the Phillies did not give them much. So we'll see how that goes down tonight. No, in hockey, 
No local action to get to from last night, but all three local teams will lace them up tonight. The Devils are up north in Montreal for a 7 p.m. puck drop against the Canadians. The Islanders are at home for an 8 p.m. puck drop against the Colorado Avalanche. And the Rangers will be north of the border as well in Calgary to face off with the Flames at 9.45 p.m. And finally, the NBA regular season opens up tonight with a pair of games. The Lakers are in Denver to tip off the season with the Nuggets, and the Suns are in Cali to take on the Warriors. No Knicks or Nets action to look forward to until tomorrow night when both teams are set to get things going on home court. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Let's go down to D.C. The Biden administration designating more U.S. cities as tech hubs to ramp up American competitiveness in the tech sector. 31 tech hubs spread across the entire company will be able to compete for up to $75 million each to accelerate and scale up their work. The president making that announcement from the White House. We're going to invest in critical technologies like biotechnology, critical materials, quantum computing, advanced manufacturing. So the U.S. will lead the world again in innovation across the board. Yeah, don't want to lose that edge to the Chinese. All this is part of my strategy to invest in America and invest in Americans. It's working. We're creating good jobs and communities all across the country. So this initiative would make communities eligible for grants that would help boost innovation across a variety of sectors, including um, quantum computing, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and clean energy. An off-duty pilot, you probably heard about this, facing 83 counts of attempted murder for allegedly trying to crash an Alaska Airlines flight. We're getting a little more information on this story from correspondent Tom Costello. A pilot who was deadheading, in other words, he was not flying the plane, but he was seated in the cockpit as a passenger, for some reason suddenly tried to shut the engines down of that passenger plane. It is frightening stuff. A flight from Everett, Washington to San Francisco. This was on Sunday, operated by Horizon Air, diverted to Portland due to the incident. Police say the suspect, Joseph Emerson, was sitting in the flight deck jump seat, tried to pull the fire extinguisher handles to shut off the engines. He was overwhelmed, thankfully, by the flight crew. The two pilots who were in the cockpit managed to stop him and control him. The plane landed safely, diverting to Portland. Now, of course, the FAA advising airlines to remain vigilant about security in case something like this happens again. There is no believed nexus between what happened on this flight and the situation, the developments in the Middle East. And then we had that uh, crazy story right here, JFK, as we came to the air yesterday. That jet blue plane that um, all of a sudden just went up into the air. Its nose went up in the air, and um, they're trying to figure out exactly what took place. A group of New York Congress members are looking to set global safety standards for airplane maintenance. This includes four representatives from Staten Island, Long Island, and the Hudson Valley, who say safety standards vary by country, along with enforcement. With nearly 1,000 certified plane maintenance and repair services operating outside of the U.S., officials say that leads to lesser safety standards for American passengers and workers. They're calling on the Senate to pass the bill, primarily as sponsored by Representative Mark Molinaro, who says it would bring jobs back to America. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. All right, let's go ahead on to the 2024 White House campaign. Not much has changed for President Biden and former President Trump when it comes to these polls in a hypothetical matchup, though it sure looks like it'll be the two of them. Uh, here's the latest poll. The Suffolk University USA Today poll surveys 1,000 voters in a four-way race between the two and independent candidates Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Cornell West. The poll showed 366 votes for Biden and 365 for Trump. 
Kennedy received 13% of the vote and West got four. I'm Lisa Taylor. The annual list of cities with the most rats is out. Orkin compiles the list each year, not by counting the total number of rats in each city. Rather, the pest control company tallies the number of calls it gets to remove infestations. For the ninth consecutive year, Chicago is number one. But this year, Los Angeles jumps ahead of New York City to grab the number two spot. Rounding out the top ten after the Big Apple, number four is Washington, D.C., followed by San Francisco, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Denver, Detroit, and Cleveland. I'm Phil Hewlett. All right, Christmas is, what, I guess two months away, but holiday shopping already getting started. It starts earlier every year. Best Buy launches their Black Friday sales later this week as a way to appease the customer demand that's out there already. We're starting to see more and more consumers start to want to shop in October or earlier. That's Thomas McMillan. He heads the Center for Retailing Studies. He says over the past few years, Black Friday has turned into Black November. Now it's even earlier because today is what, October 24th. Consumers are planning to shop earlier and earlier so they can spread their dollars out over a longer period of time. Yeah, and this apparently, this trend, I mean, it's been happening for years, but it was accelerated during COVID when people were sitting home with not much to do and were doing online shopping much earlier than they normally would have. There's supply chain issues, and so there was a lot of press in the market that, you know, it might be difficult to find holiday gifts. So the National Retail Federation, and I don't know how they come up with this number, but they say that they expect the average family to spend $875 this year on gifts, decorations, and food, which, by the way, doesn't sound like a whole lot of money. Negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and Hollywood's studios slated to resume today. Management has halted discussions earlier this month. Union members asking for studios for a better pay, protections against AI, residuals from streaming, and more. My neighbor who is a set designer, has not worked since May, which uh, she's not a member of SAG-AFTRA, but of course all the businesses surrounding uh, people uh, on these sets and what the actors do are all affected. The catering businesses, they've all laid off people, but she hasn't worked since May, and she told me she's now dipped into her IRA and her 401k because she's got a kid in college and she's got bills to pay, but this is awful. So for it's not just the actors who aren't making money, it's all the people that surround these sets here in New York City. Meanwhile, you have the United Auto Workers Union wants uh, leader Sean Fain to show solidarity and accept the same $500 pay they're receiving during their walkout. The union says Fain will continue to be paid his salary, estimated to be around $200,000. That's outlined in the union's constitution. Meanwhile, the UAW is expanding its strike once again against the big three automakers. Workers at Stellantis plant in Detroit are hitting the picket line, bringing the total number of workers uh, off the job to over 40,000 now. The cost of Halloween candy, if you've gone shopping for it, up this year. That's according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and a UCLA supply chain expert. Candy is more expensive due to the rising costs of ingredients and labor. The average U.S. household is expected to spend about $35 on candy this year, up from $30 in years past. I'm Brian Shook. Yes, that works out to what, about 13% more. The opening bell, it rings this morning after stocks mostly fell yesterday on Wall Street at the closing bell. The Dow fell 190 
points. S&P 500 lost seven. NASDAQ gained 34 points. Investors today will be keeping an eye out for earning results from the likes of Microsoft, Alphabet, GM, and Spotify. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Tuesday, October 24th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. It's a beauty. Sunshine today, high 66. Tonight and overnight clear, low 50. 53, and then tomorrow will be mostly cloudy, but no rain in the forecast, high 72. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it is 40 and clear in West Nyack, up in Rockland County, 43 and clear in the East Orange down in New Jersey, and it is 47 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour with a story that's been breaking overnight. A track fire at Grand Central Terminal has led to multiple subway suspensions. Uh, firefighters were down in the the subway station on 42nd Street early this morning to extinguish the flames. I saw the smoke as I was rolling through that neighborhood at around 2.40 this morning. The fire itself, though, took place below 33rd Street. No injuries were reported, so that's good. But the four and six trains suspended between 86th and Wall Street. The M15 or M103 buses can be used as alternatives. Of course, keep it here. Joe Nolan up in just a few minutes to give you the latest on that. It seems like it has been doused and it's just affecting those two subway lines for now. We'll go up to the Bronx at uh, 532, where police busted a sophisticated drug trafficking ring that was running out of a Bronx pizzeria that's across the street from an elementary school. Authorities say they recovered more than 100 pounds of suspected cocaine, crack cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, oxycodone, with an estimated street value of four million bucks. This was the Maxarella Pizza Parlor. I wonder if the pizza was any good there. I guess that's not the question I should be asking this morning. But the pizzeria on Soundview Avenue, located across from PS69. Get out of here. I never, 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 and I was born and raised here. I got me a couple of slices out of there. It's heartbreaking, right under your nose. Wow. Did the you... kids go to school. I mean, the kids go, they get pizza, they get candy, they get their snacks for school. All right, so I was just looking up to see how this pizza parlor is rated, and I can't find it anywhere, which is sort of interesting. The investigation apparently bat- began back on October 19th when agents and officers say they saw somebody walking into the pizza parlor with a heavy shopping bag out of a car. Uh, in it, apparently, it had just tons of cocaine. They followed this guy. He came back out. The bag was empty, so they were running this drug operation allegedly out of the pizza parlor as they were selling pizza to kids after school. Uh, they found 100 vials of suspected crack cocaine, a yellow powdery substance of ground on the ground floor. I mean, this could have been some dangerous stuff. Thankfully, nobody hurt and cops were able to bust it up over the last couple of days yesterday, taking some more people in. I thought they were nice people. They were good because I've known them for years. This is New York, baby. Anything possible, but it's sad by the school. But anything is possible. Yeah, nobody talking about the pizza, though. I guess it wasn't very good. A person uh, shot across the street last night from Marymount School of New York. This was about 8 o'clock. Looked to be a teenager, but couldn't get confirmation before we came to air. Shot in the torso. 
115 East 98th Street, just outside of the NYCHA housing complex that's there on the Upper East Side. It's across the street from the private all-girls Catholic school. Neighbors say they heard five or more shots ring out. This about 8 o'clock. Then they saw a young victim slumped over, but he was responsive. This woman, she was actually there when the shots were fired. She describes what she saw. When I got there, the boy was still alive and was very young. And he said that he got shot in his lower abdomen. He kept asking if he was bleeding. The police were here within literal seconds. So they got here and they jumped out of their car and started helping him right away. I've never seen anything like that. They, I, I couldn't even get off the phone with 911. By the time they were already here and I was still on the phone with 911. The victim taken to a local hospital expected to survive. Police looking for three people who fled the scene on foot. Circumstances surrounding the shooting not immediately made clear. Uh, Nobody else was injured. Out to Queens, where a vigil held last night for a Queens school crossing guard who was hit and killed on the job in Woodhaven on Friday. It was Christina Naparua, who was uh, 63 years old, she was hit by a dump truck on Friday morning. She was one of these crossing guards that everybody in the neighborhood knew, everybody in the neighborhood loved. Her daughter showed up to the vigil last night. She was a beautiful person, and I just miss her so much. Daughter said it was comforting to be among all these people who knew her mom. And there was a lot of people who wanted to tell her how great she was. She was always asking me how I'm feeling. And you could just tell how much she valued the safety of the children. She was very sweet to me. And when I come back, I saw nothing. She wasn't there anymore, which broke my heart. And you know it's a big deal when the mayor shows up. The mayor showed up for this vigil as well, this candlelight vigil. Christina was representative of those who serve our city. Police say Christina was in the crosswalk when she was hit. The truck driver stayed at the scene, charged with failure to yield to a pedestrian. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Long Island. Police on the scene yesterday, Green Acres Mall in Valley Stream, after it was locked down Monday. Nassau County Police Commissioner Patrick Ryder says a pantsless man tried to steal clothes from the Click store. He was putting on layers of clothes when he was confronted by security. The individual stated, I have a gun. He pulled the gun out. They started to struggle with the gun. A round went off. Thankfully, uh, nobody injured. Uh, Cops locked down the mall, though, for about an hour or so. The uh, suspect, who wasn't wearing pants because he was in the middle of stealing clothes, fled the scene in a red SUV. And as of early this morning, they have not caught up with him. But I guess it might be easy to find if he's not wearing pants. Uh, While we're out on Long Island, The uh, homeless man been arraigned on burglary charges for allegedly breaking into two Mastic Beach homes and assaulting elderly women inside. This guy's really a creep. 42-year-old Derek Clancy accused of committing these attacks October 10th and 17th on two women in their 70s who lived in homes alone. According to the court documents, Clancy admitted he tried to rape one of the women, allegedly saying she put up a good fight. That's what he told cops. Clancy is a registered level three sex offender. He has a rape conviction from 2000 and a robbery conviction from 2011. And he was back out on the streets, apparently committing more crimes. People in the neighborhood very happy that cops caught up with this guy as quickly as they did. We can sleep. 
sleep easier now, you know, knowing that that guy is caught. I feel better now knowing that he's off the streets. Clancy's attorney entered a not guilty plea yesterday, a mental health evaluation going to be performed. Clancy being held without bail. He's due back in court on November 20th. Last night, dozens of protesters rallying outside of Floyd Bennett Field in Marine Park calling on elected officials to call off this agreement between the federal government and the city to house at least 2,000 migrants there. Go down and close the border. There's signs put by the National Park Service that say road may flood. Do you know that? How amazing is that? It says road may flood, and yet they're going to put immigrants on a road that may flood. City Council Member Joanne Areola, State Assembly Member Jamie Williams, encouraging constituents to continue rallying in shifts against the plan with the hopes of that plan being suspended. But right now it's still on. There's no water. It's wasteland. There's schools that play sports every day. There's a mall down a block where our citizens are. They're not vetted. New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis uh, introducing legislation to ban the use of federal lands and property, which Floyd Benefield it is, to house incoming migrants. Legislative tracking shows the bill is set to have a subcommittee discussion on uh, in October. I don't know if that's been canceled with everything going on with the race for House Speaker. And I should point out that uh, tonight, the 24th, yes, Rockaway Town Hall, uh, Sid Rosenberg, our own Sid Rosenberg from Sid and Friends in the Morning, our own Curtis Lee, are going to hold a town hall regarding the migrant camp at Floyd Bennett Field. Uh, it's free to show up 7 p.m. tonight at Rockaway Knights of Columbus Hall. That's uh, 333 Beach 90th Street. Starts at 7 o'clock. So if you want to get your voice out and heard about this plan to put uh, thousands of migrants at Floyd Bennett Field, tonight's the place to be. Uh, in in at that uh, Rockaway meeting with Sid Rosenberg and Curtis Lewa. 542 out to New Jersey, South Orange, Maplewood School District, ending Halloween celebrations in what they call in the name of equity and inclusion. The South Orange, Maplewood School District announcing that there'll no longer be any Halloween celebrations during school hours. They sent a letter out to parents. The district stated that the reason was to promote diversity equity and inclusion. Someone has sent us this letter. It comes from Superintendent Dr. Ronald G. Taylor. In the letter, uh, officials made, they said, made their decision based on three crucial questions. Okay, I'm curious to see what they are. Is promoting school-sponsored Halloween activities creating indirect and unintentional financial hardships for students and families? That's one of the reasons they canceled it. Do school-sponsored Halloween activities violate the dignity of some of our students and families, either culturally or religiously? And finally, the third uh, question was, does the promotion of school-sponsored Halloween activities create tensions with the equity and access values of the school district? Okay, so Halloween is gone, and you might uh, not be surprised to hear some kids not too happy about They talked to News 12. I, I wanted to, but now we can't because of the fall festival. Yeah, all right, so you have to celebrate uh, Halloween at home. Uh, not everyone was happy with that drone show here in the city 
over the weekend, lighting up the night sky in Central Park on Saturday. Dustin Partridge of the New York City Audubon Society is concerned that the 1,000 drone display would affect fall bird migration. We know that's going to have some impact, so that's where our concern comes from. Partridge says hundreds of thousands of birds flying through New York City right now. Uh, in addition, New York City Parks Department says the organizers of the drone event did comply with new city guidelines governing the use of drones. Meantime, on an average year, every year in New York City, I didn't know this, 250,000 birds have fatal collisions with structures. Did you know that? That's a crazy number. And so they said uh, this would just add to this, this show that took place on Saturday night. So far, we don't have any evidence that that is the case. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellen. Thank you, Noam Lennon. We'll get you off of birds here and on to the gridiron. Week 7 in the NFL wrapped up last night in Minnesota between the San Francisco 49ers and Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Minnesota QB Kirk Cousins connected with Jordan Addison for two first-half scores. Cameron Finan intercepted Brock Purdy twice in the fourth quarter. And the Vikings held on to shock the 49ers by a score of 22-17. to Christian McCaffrey scored twice for the 49ers, who have a two-game losing streak for just the second time in two years. They fall to 5-2 and two overall for the season, while the Vikings move their record to 3-4. and four. Over to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs, where the ALCS ended with Game 7 last night between the Rangers and Astros in Houston at Elise Garcia. Homer twice and drove in five runs as the Rangers clinched their first World Series appearance in 12 years with an 11-4 blowout of the Astros. They'll meet the winner of the NLCS Game 7 between the Diamondbacks and Phillies after Arizona took care of the Phils in Philly last night by a score of 5-1 in Game 6 to force said Game 7. That decisive first pitch is scheduled for tonight at 8.07 p.m. in Philadelphia. In hockey, no local action to get to from last night, but all three local teams will lace them up tonight. The Devils are up north of Montreal for a 7.15 p.m. puck drop against the Canadians. The Islanders are at home for an 8 p.m. puck drop against the Colorado Avalanche, and the Rangers will be north of the border as well in Calgary to face off with the Flames at 9.45 p.m. And finally, the NBA regular season opens up tonight with a pair of games. The Lakers are in Denver to tip off the season with the Nuggets. And then the Suns are in Cali to take on the Warriors. No Knicks or Nets action to look forward to until tomorrow night when both teams are set to get things going on home court. Noam, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. It continues to be the mess in the Middle East. Uh, just a little bit of positive news yesterday. The two more hostages released by Hamas. Hamas said it released the hostages on humanitarian grounds. But a top advisor to Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu is not buying that argument. Releasing two, and they want to project themselves as, I don't know, as a normal uh, political organization, as a humanitarian organization. But what is the truth? This is a brutal a terrorist organization. The hostages identified as two Israeli women. Their release follows the release of those two American hostages, the mother-daughter on Friday from Chicago. Israeli officials report Hamas is holding more than 200 others as fighting between the two sides continues this morning. Hamas is exploiting the hostages. Obviously, we're happy with anyone who, who comes home. They've got over 200 people. Correspondent Richard Angle, he was on the Gaza border yesterday watching on as though, as though 
those hostages were released. It was almost the same time of the evening here uh, and roughly about the same time it took from when we first got word from Hamas that they were released to confirmation. And Hamas uh, thanking the mediator for helping figure this all out and to get these hostages back to Israel. Use the Red Cross as, a, as an intermediary to bring these people to safety across the border. And then once they are across the border safely in, in this case, Israeli hands. The rocket fire continuing on both sides over the last 24 hours into this morning. Air raid sirens can be heard in parts of Israel. The Israel Defense Forces says that five senior Hamas commanders have been killed in recent days as the military continues to strike thousands of Hamas targets in the Gaza Strip. The IDF eliminated Murad Abu Murad, who was head of Hamas's aerial array in the Gaza Strip. The um, that played, of course, a significant role in the terrorist attack back on October 7th and that massacre in the Western Negev and those communities there. According to the IDF now, over 400 terror targets have been hit just in the past 24 hours, including the elimination of some deputy commanders of Hamas. And then we watched on yesterday as Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant visiting a naval base uh, on the Israeli side in Ashdod, where he conducted what he called a situation assessment toward the shores of Israel's southern border with the Hamas rule Gaza Strip. Uh, speaking to the soldiers who have massed there as they get ready to go in for a ground war, taking out a megaphone and talking to those soldiers, telling them they've done an excellent job. And he told them to keep preparing for an operation that he said It'll come soon. We assume that means the ground war. He says we're preparing thoroughly for the next step, a multilateral operation in the air and ground and sea. And then he left them. He said, do your work. Get ready. We will need you. That as um, U.S. forces will be postured appropriately in the Middle East over concerns of this war that may get under under in a big way in the coming days. We know Iran continues to support Hamas and Hezbollah then in some cases actively facilitating these attacks and spurring on others who may want to exploit the conflict for their own good. That's National Security Council spokesman John Kirby talking to reporters yesterday. He says there's been a huge uptick of rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases housing U.S. personnel, both in Iraq and Syria. We're deeply concerned about the potential for any significant escalation of these attacks in the days ahead. He says the Pentagon plans to send more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region to protect them. Secretary of Defense has ordered the military to take steps to prepare for this to ensure that we're postured appropriately, both in terms of being able to defend our forces and respond decisively as needed. And then John Kirby talking about what he calls is the top priority now to ensure Palestinians in Gaza receive urgently needed humanitarian aid. We watched on Saturday as 20 trucks with food, medicine and caskets were led in from Egypt into Gaza. We're going to continue those efforts uh, going forward. It's important that the aid be sustainable, and that's what we're focused on. And he said the other big focus, of course, is the American hostages. It's not clear. They're not giving us a number of how many of these 220 hostages are Americans. Some of that we're hearing from just the families who know their kids were taken, the U.S. military, the Israeli military, informing them. First convoys over the weekend of humanitarian assistance across that border and was able to reach Palestinians in need. There has been some pushback from the hostage families who say no humanitarian aid should be given to Gaza until some hostages are released. But uh, it looks like more trucks will go in today. We have no higher, higher priority than the safety of Americans that are being held around the world and we're con- 
going to continue around the clock to see if we can get them home with their families where they belong. Yeah, so so many of the connections right here to the tri-state area uh, of people who are kidnapped or thought to be kidnapped. The mother of a 19-year-old, his name is Idan Alexander. He graduated from Tenafly High in New Jersey just last year. He joined the Israeli army, and uh, now his family has gotten confirmation that he was kidnapped during that terrorist attack into Israel on October 7th. Here's his mother, who's in Tenafly today. I'm sorry, like I'm crying the whole morning. Don't be sorry. It's really tough. Idan had volunteered to serve with the Israeli army after he graduated high school, was reportedly working at the border when these attacks started. His mother said she actually spoke to him on the morning of the attacks and he was detailing what was going on. And he's like telling me, Mom, yeah, this, that, it's like crazy, it's like World War II here. He said that? Yeah. A lot of bombing. You can imagine how horrific that is. Initially, his family was unsure if he was even alive. Um, but then uh, the Israeli military called to tell them that they are pretty positive he's one of the over 220 hostages being held by Hamas today. Uh, the Israelis think almost all those hostages are likely alive. And then let's bring it back home where the conflict overseas continues to play out on the streets of the city. We saw some big pro-Palestinian, pro-Israel rallies over the weekend. And we continue, unfortunately, to see attacks here as well. A Muslim teenager attacked while riding the subway to school in what police are now investigating as a hate crime. The 16-year-old, she was on a five train at Union Square stop uh, around nine in the morning when a man sat down next to her told her she was a terrorist, and then pulled off her hijab that she was wearing. Here's Detective Muhammad Amen, who's from the NYPD. I'm very sorry for her and her family and everybody in the city. Uh, we going to a challenging time now, but I want to assure her and everyone that the police department is really looking after everyone another, uh, in the city. Another uh, female passenger intervened to help that girl. The man, unfortunately, was able to get away, so they've made no arrests. We're hearing from both sides, right? Uh, Jewish organizations and Islamic organizations like CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, says they're getting lots of email and calls from people who are either being called or physically attacked since everything has begun in the Middle East. We've been flooded with uh, calls lately, uh, requests for assistance. People are scared. They're they're very frightened just to go about their, their daily business. And we're hearing from Governor Hochul, who's back in New York. As you might remember, she went on an Israel solidarity mission last week. And then while she was there, her father passed away in Florida, so she came back to New York, then went down to Florida. But she was back in New York yesterday talking about the devastation she saw in the region and how she'll fight for the release of the hostages, which a number of them have connections to New York. We need to get all of the hostages home, but I'm here because there are so many that have a New York connection. They're either New Yorkers themselves or have a family member that's just distraught with out having the knowledge of whether they're even a dead or alive. And she doubled down on beliefs that she says Israel has the right to fight back after the attack. So people, some people had grown up in Rochester, New York, some Long Island. There are a lot of connections, a lot of relatives, yeah. and they're, they're in the dark. They have no idea whether these family members are dead or alive, and they're not going home until they know. Yeah, uh, the tragic part is they're still identifying bodies from that attack on October 7th.